Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Sex Ed in the City with Drew and Dr. G. We're stoked you're with us today on this warm, toasty, sweaty summer day. How are you, Dr. Hi. G? Hey, I'm good. Yeah, it's toasty out here in Miami, too. Like, the humidity is on, like, 3,000. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, my AC went out in my car, and I was like, oh, no. no. <laughs> What's <laughs> happening? like literally cooking alive not oh okay. my god that's gonna be miserable that's like waiting on the subway platform in the yes. summer and you're just like cooking and at least you don't have to sweat in the mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah oh my god yeah at least it doesn't also smell bad yeah unidentified the liquid which is usually it's, human piss, piss. It piss. <laughs> uh, well we are going to do a pride episode day we wanted to talk about pride and what that means for us as educators also for our students and just the community in general we've been looking forward to this app for a while but my question of the day to start us off dr g pretty simple question it's not as i guess exciting when you were younger well i have to ask this question first did you have an ice cream truck in your neighborhood Yes. Okay. What was your go-to at the ice cream truck? Um, well, it's, there's two choices, and it's still to this day the ice cream truck. Either the red, white, and blue one, which I just learned is called a bomb pop, or the peanut butter ice cream, like the, what's it called? With the, not the peanut butter ice cream, you know, the waffle cone with the vanilla and the oh. peanuts on top. The, Oh my God. What is that called? It's like a. Yeah. Why? Is I that don't know. Y'all know what it is They're though. so good. <laughs> yeah. Those are my favorite. I love the ice cream man. I still love the ice cream man just as much. And it's for my New York city folks. It's different than Mr. Softy. Cause Mr. Softy has its own vibe, but small town ice cream trucks. We would like hear it running <laughs> like, Oh, Oh, that was a good time. So, oh my gosh. Did you have one? Wait, I'm still thinking back to this red, white, and blue pop. It's like the one that's all three colors, like kind of yeah, icy. and then three different flavors, and then your mouth yes. turns blue. That's I don't like foods that turn my mouth a different color, so I often wouldn't get it because I hate having like a blue mouth. Got it, got it. <laughs> okay, you're silly. I know I'm, that's gonna bug me what that's called. We did not have an ice cream truck, which is come on, central Pennsylvania, like get with it. That is like blasphemy in america <laughs> i'm just saying Maybe that's I the most be. anti-american thing i've ever heard is that your small town did not have an ice cream truck i'm gonna move back home and start the ice cream truck business yeah, you'll make some money <laughs> but my friend and i it was actually my sister's friend and we used to have a snow cone stand so i secretly loved yes. snow cones and we do it like a couple times a summer just to make extra bucks but my go-to ice cream truck treat if i could get one today and i can't because they don't make them anymore it's the choco taco are you familiar oh i am i've actually never had one but i do know what it is oh my god it's like a it's not actually like a taco it's just like a chalk it's probably very much like yours but shaped like a taco Mm -hmm. so good and there so now i'm like digging through the bottom of every bodega like what are they called? A little freezer trying to find. Oh, yeah. Oh, one. there's definitely bodegas that still have some from the 90s. <laughs> thousand percent. You'll be able to find one. One of these Oh, days. my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I uh, get all these like recipes on my Instagram feed 
Um, Cause I think I looked at a recipe once. And so now I get all these like food things, but I've seen people making Choco tacos. So you can make Ooh. one yourself if you really want to be fancy. I might let Matt tackle that one. I'm not much of a, a chef myself. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> Appreciate you. Love you. <laughs> no oh. pressure, but a little pressure. Oh, he made me a lovely dinner last night. Wednesday's our oh. date night. And he, oh, he you guys had, are cute. You had a cranky, you were kind of cranky yesterday, but he's like, I'm going to cook you dinner. And we're just going to watch a movie. I was like, great. That's what I love. Oh, like, that's fun. Yeah. Anybody who cooks for me, like, my heart. Right. Oh my gosh. That's cool. Oh, pride app. Excited Let's to do talk it. about this. Yeah. Um, yeah. What are, I guess, start off. What is, what, what are your experiences with, uh, either pride month or the pride events? What has that been like for you? Yeah. Well, I never celebrated Pride until I moved to New York. Um, so for me, uh, I used to be on uh, Cheer New York. Shout out to Cheer New York. Um, so Cheer New York is this great organization. It's uh, like a semi-pro cheerleading team of all adults. And what they do is they're a fundraiser and they raise money for different local charities that focus on LGBTQ plus queer folks. Um, and so all their performances get are paid and that goes to charity. They choose a charity every year. So shout out Amazing. to Cheer New York and the great work that they do. So I was on that team for four years and we would perform at Pride. So I've performed at all the Prides in New York City, every borough. I performed at like the big one, like four or five times. I performed wow. at Philly Pride. I per- We performed, um, we went to the Gay Games in Cologne, Germany in, ooh, 2013, 2012, 2011, back then. Um, So my experience of pride has always been filled with performing and being with my friends on that team and partying with people Mm -hmm. on that team and just like um, experiencing pride through their lens and like just getting able to celebrate them as people during the month. so that's what it's been like to me. And I, and I love pride. Like I used to love performing. It's so great. You're walking down. Everyone is just like, yeah. And just, it's a really a beautiful time in New York city. Um, and even like the smaller parades, like Brooklyn and Philly were yes. always so fun and so much love and just such a good feeling. Um, so yeah, that's what my experience of pride has been. Um, what's yours what what is your first do you remember the first pride like you attended and what was that like yeah well first of all your story was was really beautiful and just a great way that like even if you're not necessarily or you don't identify with that community like ways you can still be a part of it and I would encourage our listeners to think about that as well um that's all you're you've probably been to more prides than I have honestly I I came out at 27 when I moved to New York and I had never been to a pride before. It must have been 2016. Um, I wasn't fully prepared for the scope of what it was or how it made me feel in New York mm. for sure. You just, I don't think you can encapsulate like, I don't know, all the joy, the pure like joy that's just happening on that day. And mostly talking about the parade uh, in Manhattan, but there are other boroughs parades. I just remember going and just 
I was definitely overwhelmed. Um, I was not dressed appropriately. I was dressed like, I don't know. I don't want to say not flamboyantly enough, but like <laughs> I was wearing not regular naked clothes. enough. <laughs> yeah, I was not like I was not prepared. <laughs> but I remember going with my boyfriend at the time and uh like some friends that I grew up with, and it was just like really, really special. Um, and I think the big part of that is just seeing so many different types of people. Everybody's there cheering. It feels very safe. Um and as I've gradually gotten like more accustomed to it, um, I guess what I've done for Pride is, has always has been a little different. Like I, I tend to go to a lot of parties now. I try to avoid like the bigger ones that are more like the Pride Island where they'll bring like Christina Aguilera because it's just like not so. Yeah. A little bit of smaller venues. I always try to do a parade or a march of some kind um, and definitely talk about it with my students as well. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the parties on Pride are too much for me. I, I just don't like big groups of people like that. Um, I just can't. Any group of big group of people, um, I can't imagine myself now being in going to parades anymore. I almost mm-hmm. went to Miami Pride, to be honest. I wanted to go, but I was scared because, A, I'm not good at big crowds, but also you know, with the recent, you know, mass shootings and the very lax gun laws here, I like had an anxiety attack about going because I was afraid um, for like big crowds, guns, all the things. So I didn't go to Miami Pride and, and it was fine and it was beautiful. And because I, I know people that went, so I, I kind of wish I did. Um, so maybe I'll, maybe I'll be able to work up the courage next year. It is a scary thought. There's there's always the chance. I think people people keep that in the back of their mind too, because like there is so much like queer joy. Like somebody could do something. Like it's very I don't know. That always goes through my mind at some point. Mm, that's scary. Yeah. yeah. Wish I wasn't feeling that way. <laughs> yeah. But, for sure. Yeah. I don't know. It's my I think my relationship or thoughts about pride have also changed over the year just from like the whole concept of I guess rainbow capitalism are you familiar mm, with that? yeah yeah I, I mean why don't I you tell everyone though maybe they don't know yeah I didn't know about it till like maybe three-ish years ago probably during like COVID and all of that basically it's when brands or companies use pride or like a rainbow or like something with the queer community as a way to they're like saying hey we're an ally within they throw rainbows on things like rainbow washing uh just to get money right and mm-hmm. it could be a good thing to actually show queer support but if they're not doing other things with that and being an actual ally and like uh hiring queer employees or i don't even know any other things like that it just kind of feels fake and for money which mm-hmm. i've wrestled with is like the commercial part of pride and also like how is this how am i still like being rebellious or remembering the roots of pride mm-hmm. um and i wonder how much of that money people make during pride actually goes to the queer community like i haven't heard anyone said 100 percent of all of our pride sales yeah. or all of our all of our sales in june you know, all these billion dollar companies 
They want to celebrate, you know, whatever month it might be. They should be taking that money of that month, Black History Month, you mm-hmm. know, Hispanic Amen. Heritage Month, all those things. Like, let's just, during that month, your your million dollars of your multi-billion dollar business can just go to that community. Um, that'd be nice. Never under, yeah, m- money is everything. Like, <laughs> we fucking need <sighs> All these yeah. communities can benefit from money. Like, stop. Right supporting it that's bullshit yeah how do you think your experience of celebrating pride has kind of evolved as you've gotten like more comfortable with your identity but Mm. also just like matured as a person yeah I think a lot of it came from learning the history of pride as well so like really interrogating and learning about Stonewall and other riots and stuff knowing the history and kind of what people went through to get us where we are today makes a big deal. I feel like as a quote unquote baby gay, like I, I was just kind of going through the motions and floating around and going to parties and I still go to parties, but I think knowing, knowing about what's going on and kind of sharing that with people and having those little conversations and just being grateful is super important. Like this year I did not do the parade or the queer liberation march. And I was kind of mad about that. Stayed out a little, a little too late, uh, two nights. And I was trying to just be kind to myself and remind myself that just the act of like being able to go to spaces that are inherently queer um, and dance and have fun and be free is its own sort of I don't want to I guess rebellion maybe or just celebration in its own way although I wasn't like walking down Madison Avenue with my uh, what's that called with my with a sign or anything just a little different yeah I mean there's so many ways to celebrate our identities beyond going to a parade or a Mm -hmm. march or a party and those are all beautiful ways but there's there's more ways than just that to celebrate pride yeah. I wonder, do you, what are some other ways you kind of celebrate yourself during this month? Oh, celebrate myself. Hmm. Or do you celebrate yourself? Yeah, I'm trying and, to and, think. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I do take this month to actually celebrate myself. We talk about it in health class, it's like always the end of the year and we mention it and we talk about what it means. We've had these conversations throughout the year. So I think, I think talking about it with students always feels like really good and affirming and just seeing how, just how normal it is for them versus if I was having this conversation in like central Pennsylvania where I grew up and that always makes me feel uh, really good and really hopeful. Like right when you walk in Bard, there's like the rainbow flag. There's like a couple rainbow flags and just saying like happy pride. Like, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And it, it doesn't feel like it's that much to have that there, but it just, it says like, there's no questions about it. Nobody's pushing back on it. There's no resistance. It's just like, great. We love our queer kids and we support them unconditionally, especially this month. Yeah. I mean, I think that's so, such an important thing to talk about because there are so many schools that are pushing back. I mean, Listen, the school I went to, um, the high school I went to was in the news this past year because oh, no. they're 
quote unquote, banning political flags. So what do they mean? Right. They mean Black Lives Matter flags. They mean pride flags, you know. Um, And I mean, when people said, oh, did you see what's happening in Newburgh? Um, Because I went to Newburgh High School in Newburgh, Oregon, graduated in 1995. Um, I was like, well, I'm not surprised. Like, I'm 0% surprised about that. I mean, in the 90s, when I went there, there were definitely gay folks at our school. Mm-hmm. Out one person, one girl that I recall, who was an out lesbian, and she was tormented. You know, um, and, you know, our and my town was like most is in Guinness Book of World Records one year for most churches per capita. Um, you know, small town America. And so people are like, oh, did you hear? I'm like, yes. And I'm 0%, you know, surprised because of how the culture there um, and how it was. So what an awesome experience for young people at Bard and even where I used to teach in New York to be able to walk into space and not have to worry about anything, just walking and being themselves, right? That, I mean, you say you're not surprised with their high school, but that, that makes me feel, I mean, not that they're banning stuff, but that there's been like very little growth. But I guess if I'm thinking like big term, like Florida is like not doing great, Mm -hmm. Florida under the bus, but like, has there been any progress? Like, I think about like the high school I used to teach at in Pennsylvania. I started there and you couldn't have a GSA, which is a gender sexuality alliance when I started. So I was already like, oh shit, I was in the closet. Like, and they now have one and that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Yeah. I mean, listen, I don't live in Oregon anymore. I don't ever go back. None of my family lives there. So I'm not connected to the school anymore. Um, I just know that they were in the news because they were kind of leading this thing in the state of Oregon. Um, But I think it goes along with a lot of the other political stuff that was, has been going on in our country Um, in the last few years, they were on that bandwagon of, you know, he who shall not be named (laughs) or used any energy on our podcast, Um, you know, so I think they were on that and, So I can't speak to what progress there has been and hasn't, but I know when I saw that in the news and then I looked at the high school, I was like, "Mm." I was like, "Mm, shocking, you know, (laughs) (laughs) insert sarcasm font. Um, uh, It makes, yeah, it makes me sad. Like I wish there has been progress, but I'm not surprised. I mean, there, you know, I can count the people of color that went to my high school on two hands. Anytime you can count the number of any group of people, you know, there there's not diversity, you know, I can, I know of one person who was out. Now there's several people I went to high school with that are now out that I know from like social media and things. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's just, I mean, there's a reason I left as soon as I graduated high school. (laughs) There's many reasons I left. the you're lack of diversity awesome. and empathy and all the things is what, you know, as I gotta go. Except for your 
cheerleading coach. We got to get her on the pod. Yes. Well, did I talk? Yeah. We got to get shout out to Carolyn DeCreville, who in the 90s in that town talked about her gay son, Robbie, and did not care. And I wish someone would have said something to her. Get Robbie on. Shout out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I wonder if he still lives in LA. At some point, he was like an actor and semi famous. I wonder if he is still. Um, But. But that was a really, I think for, I think about that and um, what of great influence she was because she was the coach for many of us. So, you know, having someone that we all loved and respected speak nonchalantly and very positively about her gay son, which was so rare in our town there was, I think, really a testament to her own like allyship for her son. She didn't hide it. And she was like, my Robbie, he's an actor. Like she was very proud of her son. So I think that was really mm-hmm. cool to see because I think there are probably a lot of other parents in my town not doing that. So to see her like show up and show out for her kid, who I think was a really good influence on all of us as young people. One of the like most basic things you can do is just talk about it. Like even if there's like gay characters on a TV show, like, not talking about it can lead to like fear and shame and discomfort when if you just discuss different sexualities, different gender identities out in the open, it gets a lot easier. Like, for example, I think there's probably a lot of adults who have, have never talked about anything like that. And I'm not talking about like hooking up, like having sex or anything like that, but just gay relationships or gay people, mm-hmm. queer people. Something as simple as that, showing young people that these people are real and they exist. It's not something that you shouldn't, it's not like a bad thing to talk about. So Mm -hmm. crucial. Shout out to her. Yeah. And I mean, this whole, um, I just lost my train of thought. I mean, just even thinking (laughs) about like this whole thing about if you talk about gay people, you're going to become gay. Like, that's not how it works because then all the gay people might be straight like hello like that logic doesn't add up um but I hear people all the time say oh I don't know to go people gay people I don't know any trans folks I'm like actually you do they just don't tell you or you're thinking that queer folks and trans folks are some type of like trope thing and just like any group that queer folks are not a monolith, right? Like there's all kinds of queer folks. There's all kinds of trans folks. And just because you don't know about it doesn't mean you don't know nobody. Yeah, that's, and that's one of the important things I tell parents too, is just, you, there's a large chance you already know somebody. When I was talking in Pennsylvania, I remember they just don't feel safe or they you don't want to come out or they don't. There's so many reasons why they may choose or not to choose, but we are out there (laughs) we're getting more comfortable and the numbers are going up the right is the right's like how can you how can you explain that the numbers are going up when blah 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 indoctrination when in reality we just feel safer a lot of us feel safer everybody so of course we're gonna we're gonna come out we feel safer in this world yeah and also some people now like have a vocabulary term that you know, matches their feelings. I remember listening to a talk by Dr. Eli Green, his TED talk, when mm-hmm. he talks about, you know, when he had um, a trans person talk about what that meant, he was like, oh, 
there it is, you know, like finally someone explaining how you've been feeling and, and finding that connection. So I think that's another thing, right? People have been feeling this way forever, but perhaps they just didn't know a word to describe it. That TED Talk is brilliant. I still, I use it yeah. every year, every Same. semester. It is, it's like what? Probably like 10 years old now. Yeah. I'll have to find the title, but Dr. Eli Green was one of our professors in grad school. Brilliant. One of the most brilliant people. And yeah, that TED Talk is rad. Great discussion of how to be an ally and also his mm-hmm. personal journey, his story. Right. Shout out Dr. Green. <laughs> one no, of the dopest people class I know. Like 10 times. <laughs> we made it. Hashtag, hashtag teacher of the year. Hashtag B minus. <laughs> Listen, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so let me, can I ask you a question? I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess I kind of have two questions, but I'll start with one uh, kind of argument I've heard with um, specifically my um, male friends who are gay um, yeah. and, and different age groups. And some of them, you know, are like, no, we use the word partner we're, you know, with their partners or their, oh. the people that they're actually married to. They'd be like, you know, I use the word partner. It's more um, inclusive. And then some of my older gay friends, they're like, no, I fought to call this person my husband. Yeah. And that's what I will label them as. And so I think that's really interesting um, thing to think about as we're like moving generationally. Um, with language and also people talking about like coming out as like for you know for many people coming out is such a big deal and then other people saying like no or maybe not no but like no we want to get to a point where we don't have to come out it's just we are um with these generational shifts so I'm really curious about your thoughts and feelings about about those things Mm. Love all those things. The debate about language, I can go either way. I feel when I, when I talk about myself, I usually say boyfriend. I feel like partner feels super, super formal. I almost do it as I'll say like life partner if I'm talking about Matt just to like kind of fuck with him because he's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of comes down to personal preference. I, I like to be inclusive, inclusive of people. So I'll just be like, who is this? Or like, this is my boyfriend, but I think it, I think that generational piece makes total sense. Like the generation ahead of us and before them, like really fought hard for our safety and our rights. And even like reclaiming like the word faggot, like that's a big deal. Um, so some people use that term still, um, as for coming out, I would love a world where we didn't feel like we had to. I think that's amazing. I remember like even Cause even when you come out, it's, there's still, you're still like coming out the rest of your life. It's not like a one and done kind of thing for a lot of people. Um, I see, I see both things as a teacher in New York and I'd be curious to hear about your experience too. Like a lot of the kids now, which I never had will come in and they'll talk about their celebrity crush. It's like Timothy Chalamet. And I'm just like, Oh my God. Like this little, this ninth grade boy is talking about their boy crush. I'm like, this is wild. Like little gay boys. Um, but I get it. Not everybody feels comfortable with that. And some people want to wait till college or they just don't, don't want to do it at all. So. Yeah. 
I think that's so important going back to like treating people how they want to be treated. And again, mm-hmm. not putting people in a box. You have to do this. You have to do that. Yes. You know, but that's part of our human nature, right? That's how like our brains scientifically organize things. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't want us to be like so hard on ourselves, but I think we have to like really be conscious of that and not get so far into language. And it has to be this, that, and the third, because yeah. everyone is feeling different about how they want to identify and that's okay um yeah because I think that's so I hate sometimes in the liberal progressive world how we're so into calling the next person out about they use the wrong term and we're like so busy fighting with each other that I'm like okay but that's not really going to be helpful you know, not to say that we shouldn't be people calling in conversations when there's harm and all of that, but there's, I've been in certain experiences where I'm like, all right, like you're coming at me trying to be an ally to someone else, but you don't even know that this person like uses that term for themselves. Like there's kind of that thing that I find really icky. Almost like, like virtue signaling and Ugh, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, the language piece can be so empowering, but we really mm-hmm. need, to, we just need to do the best we can. And like, if you yeah. fuck up, admit you fuck up or just keep mm-hmm. moving on, right? It doesn't need to be a big thing. Yeah. I agree with that 100%. Uh, the virtually signaling, who, like people in the race to be like the best white person or the best straight, like I'm an ally. Woo! I'm like, okay, but all. Oh God. <laughs> like, it's so oh, annoying. God. Like, first of all, anyone, <laughs> says I'm an ally thank you I was hoping haven't done some of the work like you don't get to like profess yourself as an ally you don't be like yay I'm so good like (laughs) no like you don't get to profess that you just do that you just live life and people will either see you as an ally or not and just because one person sees you as an ally doesn't mean the next person will um yeah I I've had some interesting moments in my life where I'm like okay well you wait you can be you can you get you get the certificate of the best white person good job like or uh, that I'm just like tone it down so many thoughts Uh, on everything you just said yeah the whole concept of coming out is going to be super different based on your identity your intersectionality right like I would argue from a cis white perspective, it was relatively safe for me to come out as a gay man versus mm-hmm. if I was had a completely different identity and maybe I was coming out as like transgender. We know that transgender people of color experience so much violence. Like mm-hmm. it's really fucked up. I was gonna, and I love your point about allyship. Like, I think I even learned it from you. Like allyship is a verb. Like calling yourself an ally is not, does not an ally do, right? Mm-hmm. You gotta be doing something. And if you're doing it right it's probably going to be a little there should be like a little discomfort there you should be maybe I shouldn't say that right but if you're always in your comfort zone maybe there's more you could be doing Mm -hmm. a thousand percent and also to think about like remembering that we're whatever work we're doing that you know all of our you know, anti-oppressive work, all of our anti-racism work, we don't ever arrive at allyship. We're not mm-hmm. like, yay, I've arrived. I am an anti, 
whatever. <laughs> like it's always the work, right? And it's oh, it's continual work. Um, and knowing that, I think one thing that I've learned is like, you know, I'm still part of the system, whether I am doing the anti, you know, the oppressive actions or the racist actions or whatever, whether I'm specifically mm -hmm. doing those things or not, I'm still part of this larger system um, with the privileges that I have. And so for me, I've had to really interrogate that and where I have caused harm unintentionally um, in my past, but also in my everyday life. That's, that's hard. It's hard to do that. Being yeah. out, like being an ally to the community as well as being in the community and causing harm as well. Like mm -hmm. being a person, being people with a lot of privilege mm -hmm. um, and really leveraging that to help other people when we can. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's what I was kind of like wrestling with this past weekend when I didn't go to the march because I slept in. I was just like, I was like, on one hand, my this community fought so hard that I could do this and go out but then I was like now I'm just sleeping in and, and not going to the march and like not like protesting against all these like awful things that are happening like police violence and like the Supreme Court just turned what is it returned affirmative action just like the world is a shit fire I couldn't get my ass out of bed to go protest for a little bit you know but lots of ways to be an ally yeah, I think that I, I struggle with that as well, right? Like, but I think there, I think that's what's really important to think about, right? There are people that are made to be the activists going around getting all their signatures and that's their allyship. There's people that do the marches and that's theirs. And for me, I try to do my allyship through education. Um, yeah. You know, there's people that their allyship or the things that they are doing, whatever, you know, verb we're using is like social media posts. And I don't always post everything on social media. Um, and that's, that's not my avenue for fighting this fight. Mm. And I think it's important that we remember as a collective that it takes all of us doing all the things to really move forward, right? If, if everyone's only doing posts, then nothing's happening, but we have to get like these people doing that. And, and it's also important for activists to remember they can't do everything because activist burnout is real and and it is hard to be consistently like fighting for things and self-caring um especially when you're part of whatever group you're fighting for yeah i can imagine especially if you're not seeing like intended results or like progress mm -hmm. like you want which i'm sure progress takes a lot of time it's got to be really exhausting yeah i definitely feel like our avenue is through education though like we've mm -hmm. the way we've like created our classes and made them safe and we can talk about some ways to do that but even like going to we've presented together at the the gsa conference in new york mm -hmm. that was really special and really fun we, yeah I, workshop on consent we did it with middle schoolers yes it was so fun no you know what I love a middle schooler just not a large group of them <laughs> I'm thinking like a 10 or less like I can't imagine myself teaching middle school on a daily in New York City with 35 12 year olds that's going to be a hard no <laughs> however 
a group, a, like a group of five middle schoolers, golden, beautiful. Let's get into it. But 35, 12 year olds is going gonna, is gonna to be a no for me. So shout out to all the middle school teachers that are oh. doing the thing because you all are the real, real saints in the, in the education world. <laughs> so like, what do you do? I mean, I want to say this and feel free to tell me if I'm wrong or if I'm stepping over boundaries, but I feel just the act of you being out as a teacher is one way you very easily create a safe classroom. Um, Do you think that part of your identity helps in that or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. And that's an, that's a thing the right likes to use as well as like, teachers talking about their sexualities right they that's part of like their concept of what grooming is and we've kind of already debunked that but yeah I think it's super important to show my students that I am okay with being gay and that and just tell them I am I I do like a little activity where they do like a it's like a get to know you like little bingo card and Mm -hmm. all the facts are about me so at mm-hmm. the end, it's like, hey, you asked each other all these questions, but all of them are true about me. And one of them is like, I'm a part of the gay community. So they everybody knows day one that I'm gay. And that makes a, I mean, that makes me feel safe. And I know it makes a lot of my, my students feel safe and seen as well. I would have killed, not killed. I would have loved to have had like an out gay educator in my K to 12 experience. I, I think about that often. It was a lot of white straight women. Mm. First of all, that's a dope exercise because I also do a similar exercise, but none of the facts are really about me. Make them all about you. Yeah. Yeah, that's so cool because, you know, you know, a lot of my research is how our identities shape our pedagogy, but also how our young people perceive us. And I think that they're, you know, we know that teacher and student connection is important. And what a great way to introduce yourself to students besides just saying, you know, I'm Miss Gibson. I'm so smart. This is, you know, whatever. Not that I'm saying that, but you know what I mean? Like, here's my resume, you know, (laughs) like instead of like letting them get to know you on like a real level and you're not like, I'm gay. And this is all my partners. Just like, I would be like, I'm straight. And this is like, that's not what we're doing. Right. But I love how you said that, just like building the connection, allowing them to get to know you in an authentic way. But then it also makes it so the kids that have those same characteristics are already seeing you as a role model, right? They're already like connecting like, oh, dang, I like baseball too, or I, you know, whatever your characteristics that you put on Mm -hmm. there are. I love that. Yeah. I stole that from someone at a conference and I, I use it all the time. It's really helpful. Um, That's great. No, I haven't. There's only been a couple times like at Bard where I felt like, like kids gave me shit or like they felt like uh, there was a kid that I had recently that like saw, like came in the first day and like saw my nails are painted. And I forget what they said. They said something homophobic. But I was just like, oh, and then there comes the whole thing of like, how do I address this? Do I act like I didn't mm-hmm. hear it? Do I call it out? Definitely call what it out. What I did you do? I definitely do. I called him out. I was like, is there a problem? Do you have a problem with my nails? I was like, okay, great. Thanks. Shut them mm-hmm. down. Um, and I guess it wasn't homophobic so much as like 
not liking my feminine side, if you could call nails feminine. I don't know. But yeah. It sounds I was like, homophobic and transphobic to me. Call it yes. what it is. It's okay. Oh do you or have you um, do you feel like you react or would you make different choices if the homophobia was directed towards you versus an, a, another student? Like have you have you thought about that? Some Hmm. It's a good question. I think each individual case is going to be different, right? You definitely have to create, and I'd be curious on your thoughts as well. Like, uh, you're, you have to make the kids in your room feel safe. So if a kid says something that's offensive and you don't address it, like that's signaling to the class that you don't have their back and you're not going to like their identity isn't safe. I would argue, mm -hmm. right. Whether you do it, like I would definitely shut it down in the moment and have like a teachable moment after, cause there has to be some sort of conversation yeah i don't think the like screaming and kicking them out is the way to go like shut it mm -hmm. down maybe they need to leave um i think i'm very much more possessive of my or protective of the kids in my room than myself i can take we can take it we've talked about this like kids mm -hmm. can say mean shit to us all day mm -hmm. and we'll be fine don't come for somebody else mm -hmm. yeah i think that's interesting to think about because i feel the same i there's oftentimes or young people have said things to me and, and depending on, you know, it's case by case, always, I might just like ignore, you know, not give them attention, but definitely if it's about someone else, there's something in my eye, by the way. So if you're watching this podcast and you see me winking, it's there's something in my eye. Ah. I would also, yeah. be... sorry, go ahead. No, ask your question. I, it's, it's also like, Kids are learning, right? So sometimes they do, I can't think of any examples, but sometimes they'll say something that is like transphobic or sexist or something like that. And you just kind of have to like pause and like maybe talk about it versus like reacting and like assuming they know all the things. Mm -hmm. Especially like if you're talking about anatomy or something like that and somebody might say something, like mm -hmm. there's so many discussions. And if you react in this like, aggressive way then that kid's gonna shut down we want to keep everybody exactly involved, right we don't want them we want them to be part of the conversation everybody's learning here yeah well exactly and I think that there's a difference that as teachers we can almost tell when someone is saying something problematic to be antagonizing yeah. yes. versus they honestly don't know yep. and even people like how do they not know it's 2023 listen we all live in different houses people are still mm -hmm. learning how to talk and use language and if we can't have a classroom be an actual learning space yeah then folks aren't going to learn now we also want to manage that with them not causing harm to other people in the class but I think that's so important to do, you know, something like calling and not even like saying their name, being like, hey, so I'm so glad you said that. And this is why and we can learn and move through that. And they'll be like, oh, rather than like, why would you use that term? How dare you? Yes. Know? Or um, and it kind of depending what I've done in the past is sometimes I will just there's times when I directly say it but there's other times I just repeat what they said back to them with the correct language mm. and that automatically shifts right so maybe they'll use an incorrect pronoun or an incorrect vocabulary word or whatever if you just like repeat what they so what you mean is xyz cor insert correct word they'll yeah. be like oh 
oh, okay. And so sometimes it can be just that little thing, that little of a, of an act, right? It doesn't always have to be like, pause, I'm an ally. We're going to go. Do you know? <laughs> Cause then everyone's like, all right, miss, like relax, you know? So you have to be like, massage it a bit. Cause like you said, you don't yeah. want to, if you're cutting off those kids, then now they're not listening. And now you've lost a chance to maybe like move, move the needle, that phrase on their yeah. like thinking and their attitudes. And a lot of these kids are, I mean, we live in New York, but it is clearly like very diverse. We have kids mm-hmm. coming from homes who have never talked about this. And like, like mm-hmm. I've kid, like kids at this semester asking me like, my parents say being gay is not okay. Like, what do you think about that? Or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that, that like caught me off guard. I'm just like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't even know how I would tell this kid mm-hmm. who's been learning this their whole life, like what I could even say to them to make them change their mind other than like, be myself. Like, Hey, I'm gay. Mm-hmm. Like, this is my life. I'm cool. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, everybody's coming from a different place of knowledge yeah. and experience and background. Yeah. Yeah. I've had that. Behavior. I'm like, well, what do you think? Yes. Right. Because it often for a young person asking that they're, they're, you know, the teenage adolescence is a time they're questioning their beliefs. They're questioning the things they've learned in their families and their religions and their culture. And, and that's okay. So it's getting them to think and question and, and kind of be critical thinkers about all the messages that they're getting right in health education, analyzing influences, let's standard mm. one of the standards, Buzzwords. right? It's, Let's let's analyze that and see why you think that. Do you agree with it? Why? Why not? And again, managing that, facilitating that conversation in a way that's not harmful to others. So that may be something you do privately, not in front of the whole class. Yeah. But I do think that's important too. Yeah. Ask it, what do you think? That's so good. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think we do that enough in education yeah. in general. What do you think about this? We get yeah. caught in like teaching things this way and like, this mm-hmm. is the way it is. It's like, well, what do you actually think about this topic? Because a lot of the topics we talk about are like very, I don't want to say polarizing, but they're very like, I guess, new or just like being thought about in a different way. Mm-hmm. And they have hard, a lot of them have hard like pushback, like health at every size. I know we're getting off topic, but like health at mm-hmm. every size. And they're always like, mm-hmm. you can't be healthy if you're big, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, let's talk about this. Let them come to their own conclusions. Yeah. Well, and I think we have to remember, right? Our job is as teachers is not to teach them what to think, it's to teach them how to think. Didn't you just say that our last episode or somebody? (laughs) Someone (laughs) just said that very recently. I don't know. Um, But that's what it is, right? And, And kind of unpacking all these messages we've got, whether it's about bodies or whether it's about skin color, whether it's about, you know, orientation and gender identity, like whatever these messages we've been getting to unpack them to see what our actual beliefs are and why. And they may or may not change their beliefs, right? But it's not us putting our ideologies on them. It's teaching them to think. Yeah. And use the information that they get in ways to kind of come to their own analysis. I that's hard for me sometimes because I do like I'm I don't want to say I'm stubborn but like, like I'm like I'm not saying my way is the right way <laughs> but of mm-hmm. course I think that in my head but it's like a lot of my views oh like if you're looking like right and left it's like 
a lot of topics can be more easily persuaded if you like know how to access valid and reliable information, mm-hmm. right? So that skill, like if you're talking about like, I don't know, abortion, for example, such a polarizing topic. We don't have to get into it, but like act, debunking a lot of myths through this mm-hmm. and helping them actually find truth statements make mm-hmm. might make a big difference when all they've ever heard are or lies or myths, scare tactics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and I think, hmm, I keep losing my train of thought today. <laughs> yeah, it's um, been well, oh, I know what I was going to say. You know, we can't say education doesn't have values because it does. Education mm-hmm. do does have values in it. And that's important for us to remember, right? Just like when we say no judgment, that's impossible. As humans, there's judgments. We make judgments. That's part of our scientific makeup, right? So an education does have a value system. And and that's and I think I think a lot about that in sex ed where we, you know, we want to be inclusive and all of these things, but oftentimes what I've noticed and what I've seen is that in these classrooms, we shut out oftentimes religious students. Um, and that in turn is also not being inclusive and, and not that we want to hear people saying like all these like derogatory terms and oppressive terms to folks, but I also don't want to shut out those students within our classes. Um, and it's, it can be challenging. It's not easy. I'm not saying I have like the best solution, but I do think it's something we need to think about is if you have a religious student that does believe that you should not have sex until you're married. That is a belief that some people have. Is it what I believe? No, but it is an option for people to live their life, you know? And so I, I, I struggle with this, like discounting it or you know, shaming students because they have that belief because then we shut them off to further knowledge, you know? Yeah, especially in our communities, like so diverse, so many different mm-hmm. perspectives on that. And I, I think you mentioned the big point is we're not shaming people for their beliefs. We we had conversations, this, you and I mm-hmm. had conversations this semester about this because I was like, I didn't know how to handle it yeah. at one point. I don't know if you remember this, but you were like very much like, yeah, like this is great, like using religion as a part of their values. So mm-hmm. that's a really good check for myself and other educators. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, because I'm not religious. I could go on a whole tangent about how I feel about religion and even spirituality. (laughs) Like I'm atheist leaning, you know, I'm I'm agnostic leaning towards atheist is what I say. Um, But that's just me. And I think for many people, religion is a beautiful thing, right? That really lifts them up and brings them a sense of balance and support in the universe. And I think that's great for them. However, also, there are people that have experienced really religious trauma, and there's also parts of religion that are hateful and oppressive and, you know, contribute to people being, um, had violence put upon them. So, you know, it's a, I'm, a, I'm a very, I live in the gray area person. <laughs> Things are always and to me. Um, and I think that's important. And I think that's important for our young people to talk about, you know? You always, you're always a, and that's, yeah. 
Put that on your tombstone. <laughs> on the left. It, there's and, always an ocean with your hand, too. Yeah. I've adopted yeah. that as well. I love it. <laughs> I had something else to say, too. Oh, and a thing, a thing with that is, is, like, I feel like we do a really good job of not shaming. We just acknowledge the realities. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to compare all these things, but, like, even if you are not going to have sex, great. People are, so we are going to talk about it because some kids mm-hmm. might. It just... I don't want to compare sex and drugs. So like people are, are going to do drugs in high school. Like even if you're not, that's great. I support that. But let's teach everybody how to be safe so you can help yourself mm-hmm. or other people. Right. So we yeah. make everybody feel included in those conversations. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And just because we're talking about something doesn't mean someone's going to do it. I mean, I've been in many conversations about many types of drugs and been around many types of drugs in myself or am I never done them besides you know smoking marijuana uh which is legal in most places now so obviously that's not a thing and and we have research study upon research study upon research study um about that especially when it comes to sexual activity in young people How are you feeling? Collective sigh on just like all the things. I mean, I feel like we could talk about this we got for into- hours. Yeah. yeah. You, is there anything like anything else you want to dive into? Or I'm feeling feeling tired. I'm ready for my afternoon nap. Yeah. <laughs> well, how I, I do have one more thing. I would just say, like, how are you feeling this moment in time? You know, Pride Month is almost over. Um and how are just you feeling as a person in your identity, just moving through the world? You know, we've known mm-hmm. each other for a while, but like, how is Drew at this moment? In this feeling? Drew is wild. <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> I feel great. Like this past weekend was really fun. I spent a lot of time with my boyfriend and a lot of time with some old friends and new friends. And just had so much fun, like dancing and like flirting and kissing. And and it just felt, I think it was like almost, um, I don't know how to describe it. It felt really, really freeing, like to a degree that I don't know if I've ever felt before, hmm. whether it's from like monogamy or anything like that, but just like, there's so many ways to love and just like so many ways to have fun that are safe and great. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm still learning so much about (laughs) myself. Like, and I feel so like weird every time, like something new comes up, like, Oh, I should have already known this or like felt this, but I'm like a slow, I need that push always. So Mm -hmm. I'm feeling, I don't know. I'm ready for the, the boomers to kind (laughs) of, I don't know. I have a lot of faith in Gen Z. That's all I got to say. Okay. Gen Z is going right. to save us. Dear God. Love it. <laughs> uh, well, that's beautiful. I love that you said it was freeing. I, I wish that mm. feeling on everyone. Yes. We'll uh, go to Miami so Pride together next year. Yes. Well, love, this is a great episode. I'm so glad we had this moment to talk about it. And guess we'll see everyone next time. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll catch you next week. Bye, y'all. Bye.